Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands, providers of online and in-person courses and workshops for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're selling on a regional basis at farmer's markets or just online, and you want to expand your retail distribution, then you should look into the courses and webinars from Kitchen to Shelf. Want to learn more about distributors, co-packers, how to handle trade funds? Kitchen to Shelf can help you learn what you need to know to grow. More details at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen the number two shelf.com. We're very glad to welcome a fellow marketeer today, Adam Brown, to the show. Adam is the founder and president of Circle Media, a social media strategy firm based in New York City. He's worked in and around digital marketing since 1999 and has held various positions on both the client and vendor side. This, of course, allows him tremendous insight into how those relationships work best, and he has developed a keen understanding for what businesses really need, some of which he is going to share with us today. At Circle, he works with brands and businesses to help them navigate through social media and all of their other digital needs, which, as that involves the internet, is constantly evolving and nearly impossible to keep up with, but Adam helps his clients to do both simultaneously. Welcome to the program, Adam. Thanks for having me. So it's... um, we we find ourselves in a very strange time. Um, I, I think the uh, um, the initial shock of uh, all of the stay in place, shelter in place, quarantine, whatever is um, uh, you know a little bit beyond us. I, I wouldn't call this a new normal, but I think people have started to to say, well, we're going to be at this for a while. How are, how are you working, you know, within the agency and within yourself, your own relationship with clients and handling, you know, having to either stay home or stay in sequestered in the office? Uh, well, interesting is an understatement for the times. Um, and there's really no playbook for it. I, I can say that I, I live and work in New York city, which is definitely a hotbed of activity in various ways of looking at it, but specifically with what's going on, you know, everyone's locked down, but I'm fortunate that I can, on empty streets, walk to my office, which actually is where I am today, in an empty New York City building. Um, so I have a tremendous amount of me and alone time to think uh, and have Zoom calls and interviews like this, where I'm really able to share a lot of my thoughts, um, which I don't usually get on a regular day-to-day. So I actually enjoy that. But we just signed a brand new lease, uh, ironically, on March 1st. Uh, so we have about... <laughs> five days in our brand new seven-year lease uh, office, and uh, and since then, no one's been back. So that's a little bit depressing um, for sure. As far as our clients, we, uh, about two years ago, started working almost exclusively on CPG and beverage, all better for you type brands, and spirits. Yep. And it was a little bit by design, but I never could have foreseen this, and very fortuitous, these are brands um, across the board that are doing better than others, to, you know, to put it lightly. Um, and so navigating that has been more positive conversations, like opportunistic than negative in some other categories, um, but still nonetheless, like very uh, different type of playbook and trying to navigate that has been tricky, but fun. You know, Anna, a lot of the conversations I've been having have centered around um, people trying to figure out what that new normal is going to be when it when it happens, and some are pretty 
optimistic, whatever. But um, do you see, for instance, the dominance of Amazon as a marketplace? Is that going to increase or decrease as a result of this? Um, I think it's going to continue to do what Amazon does, right? Like it's going to still be a dominant place. I think it's an important mission critical element for most brands uh, that want to not be exclusively retail, which I don't think brands should be. Um, and it's having a hiccup right now. It's just such high demand. Uh, I just ordered a ping pong table that I'm going to get in three weeks like yeah. uh, for my kids. But um, <laughs> when this clears up, as you have really smart people um, and a lot of staffing at Amazon and things open up a little bit, as it seems like it might by next month, then I think Amazon's going to be in really good shape. But I think Shopify, for most of my clients, will be a big winner here uh, as long as brands can invest dollars. I find most brands cannot. They're usually under the Mendoza line, which I think is necessary for e-com. Yep. So uh, until they can do that, uh, I am encouraging a lot of brands to really focus on retail and supporting velocity on shelves. Um, real, the nice part is the only place people are going right now is to the grocery store, and it's a very in and out. Um, short-term uh, visit, so really supporting awareness around hyper-local, um, you know, better-for-you type brands we're seeing prove very successful. So I think Facebook and Instagram advertising has been a winner here as well because inventory is yes. super high and the price is very low, so that's actually where we're focusing a lot of our attention right now. Yeah, and and same here with, with, with my folks. Uh, you know, it's eyeballs, eyeballs on screen must be up you know, whatever. I don't, I get that report every week or, but it must be up at least 50% and uh, a chance to reach people where they are. But interesting enough, so in the, within the space that you and I both work in, we have uh, most of the food and beverage stuff is considered quote unquote essential, even though it may be in fact, gourmet chocolates or other things that probably really aren't that essential. Are, are you noticing a difference between what we would call the fast moving consumer goods and stuff that people might buy to actually store or to use somewhere down the road? Yeah. I mean, the store down the road, um, is anytime I've been to the grocery store is gone, right? Like pasta, yep. canned goods, like it's just, you, they can't keep it on the shelves. Uh, we happen to work with a tomato, uh, tomato company, a tomato sauce brand that is at the premium level and they, they can't keep up with inventory. Um, and they're based in Italy where, where it was like ground zero for a bit, but they have been really flourishing during this time. Um, but I think right now, you know, with consumption up and you're sitting at home, right? I sit at home with my wife and two kids in a New York City apartment and we're, we're having every meal together. Like I've never had breakfast, lunch and dinner every day ever in my whole <laughs> life. And so you start to wonder, like, what what can we do differently next? Right. So you start to research and. That's why I think it's a really good time for content marketing from recipes to smoothies to, you know, healthy alternatives, things that you can give your children that you don't feel so guilty, especially since you're not living the rat race and running around. So you're home. So you don't know. You almost don't have the excuse or the hedge not to maybe prepare something. So I think I think people are buying things that they can actively participate in, like cooked cooking goods even more than, you know, savory snacks and things like that. But I think, I think they're all winning right now and they're all seeing a nice velocity. I was, I was reading yesterday, actually, Credit Suisse had come out with a forecast of some kind that indicated prior to uh, COVID-19, the split of in-home, out-of-home share of stomach, share of meals was about 50-50. 
Um, that's obviously gone, you know, straight in the dumper for, for restaurants and food services at this point. But they're saying they don't expect it to come back. They really expect restaurant or out of home to represent only about 30% when we return to the new normal, which would be a 20% loss. Um, do you see any of that or expect any of that to happen? Yeah, I saw that report. Um, I think so. I mean, look, I think experiential, especially in a place like New York City, going out and eating is going to be is actually going to have a huge uptick once we not get past this first phase when we're like sort of back to normal. But once people feel comfortable, I think people are going to be out and about and thirsting for it. Um, I did see uh, HEB, an article today that they are actually selling packaged restaurant foods in and around their stores in their store, which I thought was a I mean, it's such a great brand. I love right. everything they've been doing. Yes. Oh, and yeah. Those local businesses. Great way. It's all about food and consumption. Um, so I really like that. Uh, all those things being said, I already know of like three restaurants near me that are gone, that are done done. Like they're out of business. They're never coming back. So I think there's going to be um, it's going to be very hard for single standalone individual restaurants to compete when we do come back, irrespective of whether or not more people are eating our home or not. I just think there's it's just going to be a very um, hard and competitive market, and they're going to be recently burned from this, and so it's going to be tricky. On the e-commerce side, Adam, um, again, same sort of story, which is um, this crisis has caused, we would assume, thousands of consumers who've, who would not have considered purchasing food online before, or maybe even you know pick and cl- or, you know uh, click and, and pick up. Um, are now doing it, right? And the question becomes is when they have the availability to go back to the store in a, in a more normal circumstance, will they for a lot of those items? And then items that aren't available in store, they're buying online. Obviously, they're going to continue to buy online. So you expect an impact to be pretty significant, you know, after we get back to normal? I do. I think a lot of done to have done. Um, but I still think customer service is always going to win. Like my wife is so violently angry and frustrated with local Amazon fresh just because of delays, fresh oh, yes. direct yeah. and their strike and all that. So it's been very difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if the experience was terrible, I think you're going to have people that there's going to be attrition, but if the experience was great, like Things that are going to come back, like ghost kitchens and really good hyper local delivery, I think will win. Yeah, it certainly is. And 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 the other amazing thing I think is the the home meal delivery, home preparation, whether that's you know direct from a manufacturer or through a grocery store who you know bought one a while back. Um, I think that saved that industry, basically. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. And I think a lot of those were really good at harvesting community, right? They had users. A lot of them spent a lot of money on users. Yeah. And that's great in a time like this because they're able to turn that back on and play on that nerve, right? Like you're not going out. You're not going to the grocery store. We've got you covered. So they were basically able to start on third base with that conversation as opposed to new brands trying to make that happen. Um. So when this really started to, to, to blow up um, – Adam, what did you do with your clients in terms? Did you did you try to work with them to set a game plan? Was it was it based on you know very individual situations, or how how did you approach this as a as a marketer? 
Um, we got we got super micro with everybody. Um, so you know we we do social media management and content creation for clients. We have about. 20 to 30 clients on retainer at any given time, and uh, each one is managed by a project manager, maybe managing three or four at most. So at a, at a micro level, my vice president, who really runs all defense, basically one, once clients are in, um, really got on the phone with every single one of these clients during the first or second week of March to talk about their game plan, um, their inventory, their channel distribution, um, and fortunately, again, one by one, it was like it was pretty promising news. Uh, you know, just delivered a huge truck to Amazon. Um, you know, uh, they they had already invested in some e-com and they were seeing upward momentum. They just got into three thousand Krogers. Like thing, like like at, at the same time that I was talking to friends at own other agencies that like worked with hotels and restaurants, and oh. then they, were, they were losing like ninety percent of their business. Um, I feel blessed beyond belief that we were seeing each one of them kind of being like, huh, like this actually could be good. And so um, I didn't have to deal, I, I fortunately didn't really have to deal with that, especially on the first tranche. It was, it was all, we're good and we're positive. Yeah, I think most of them are just keeping an eye on like when people will be more out and about, right? So I think the fact that most people are going to grocery stores, uh, like I said earlier, has been good. Um, so I haven't really been having conversations like, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm totally dried up. When's that gonna change? Because there is, there is supply, there is demand. Um, some of them have increased sales. Like I have one client that sells to Costco. They had two SKUs there and they were flying off the shelves and the buyer is like, not only do I want everything you have with the two SKUs, I'll take any other SKUs you've had sight unseen, right? So like, yeah, they've been dealing with some like, interesting things like that. Um, but I think generally people are thinking like by the time, if they even have Expo East, um, yes. that things will get normal at the end of the summer and in September it's gonna be in Philadelphia I think um, and they're all thinking like that will be like when we all get back together and like everyone's jamming and like things will be normal again yeah and I think a lot of people and uh, are are looking for that kind of that kind of timetable um, in the retail space Adam outside of grocery um, we're gonna have some effects you know I'm not sure people like GNC or Kohl's or whatever are gonna make it through this it, you know, it's just, it's, it's very, it's very onerous period. But if you're not selling food, I, I can't imagine what it's like. I think target is well positioned. Um, some of these others are not. And I think, um, you know, and I'm a believer in, I don't like anything that's happening right now. So don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm a believer in, you know, you have to diversify when you can during peacetime so that you can be ready during wartime. And right. Anyone that was too long or too narrowly focused puts themselves at risk in times like this. Um, what about the effects? Um, your portfolio mainly is is better for you. Mine's a little mixed, um, but certainly some healthy products in there. Do you think there's going to be an, a, a return to, I guess, the normal scrutiny of food and label reading, or do you think it's going to actually increase? I think it's going to increase, you know, I'm super biased. I'm in this space and I live in New York. I, I, I get that I'm not in the middle states. Um, but I think everyone is sitting at home. Uh, I've, I've probably worked out more in the last month and a half than I, <laughs> than I did when I was 21. Like, I, uh, there's all this online free fitness. I think Peloton ultimately is a huge winner here. Yeah. Um, you know, Daily Burn, a lot of these content channels. And so I think... A way for those guys to diversify is getting into the food space, right? Because it's not just the workout, it's also the kitchen. Um, 
I think people will be a little bit more mindful here. I think some of the big boys, I mean, the big boys right now in CPG mostly are crushing. Um, and as they're crushing, it's a more opportune time to maybe deliver some of these better for you labels that they either acquired or have rolled out. Um, so I think the, an the short answer to your question is, I think we net out of this with a little bit more conscious of a shopper for things that are better for you. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think there will be a, um, maybe an overall, if you will, um, people who are just kind of on the uh, cusp of, you know, not organic, not vegan, but on the cusp of better for you, healthy or whatever, are going to push a little more to that side and be a little more conscious about where their stuff comes from and and hopefully, you know, what what's in it, you know, as well. But on the other side, as you mentioned, the big boys, um, brands, you know, it's this is a time when people want to go to something they trust and that happens to be brands. And, you know, they may know that there's high fructose corn syrup in there, but that's what I, you know, ate as a kid and, you know, through my college days. So I'm going to continue to have it. Um, I don't know. It's one of those, it's one of those things, but I think brands will come out and all brands. And, and, and by this, I mean, not just the Campbell's of the world and whatever, but also people who have developed brands on like Amazon or on thrive. Um, I think that the trust and whatever will be just as important when, uh, whenever we get to whatever the, the new normal is. I think brands, brands still count and this is a good time for brands probably. Yeah, you would think so. Even toilet paper, you know, I, I walked uh, two miles from my office to my apartment the other day. I went into three Dwayne Reeds, two CVSs, and one Target. Not one roll of toilet paper in any of them. And then I went into a local overpriced grocer, Gristides in New York City, and they had tons of Panda toilet paper that I never heard of before. <laughs> and no one was buying it, right? Because they're like, that's going to be like a industrial, not soft, comfortable thing. And I spoke to the guy. He's like, it's a crazy. Everyone wants it, but no one will buy this like sketchy panda brand. Um, so I thought that was something that stood out. Uh, power, if there's a power of brand when it comes to toilet paper, I, I think I experienced it. So on the, on the other side of the country, almost. So I'm in Boise, Idaho. And um, we have a lot of people in Boise who uh, are um, people who have storage for goods anyway as a, a matter of course, no, no, uh, no virus needed. They just do that. But with the amount of stuff that I saw move out of Albertsons and Winco and whatever, I, I just don't know where, I didn't know people had that much storage, right? Because yeah. the whole, the whole reason that you don't have a lot of toilet paper in the store to begin with is because it cubes out really quickly, right? Cool. It just takes up a tremendous amount of space. It's relatively cheap. So I'm not going to hold a whole bunch in my back room, um, but these people are like taking off with the stuff and you're going, where are you putting all this stuff? Totally. You know, or, you know, uh, maybe same thing with the pasta sauce or, or whatever, where you see people, they buy 12 jars and it's like, well, I don't know about your pantry, but my pantry doesn't really have room for 12 jars. Mine <laughs> for sure. I'm in New York. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and even, you know, and even, you know, a, a, a case of tomato paste or whatever from Costco, it's like, you know, that, but the, we're not putting two in there. There's not enough room. So the, this is a whole... A whole interesting thing is to see how that will, um, how that will net out. I don't know in New York because it's probably certainly much more impacted there than here. Um, but we haven't gone away from that hoarding mentality yet. I mean, they're still, you know, allowing the seniors to go in early in the morning and get their stuff and buy, you know, whatever time the truck gets there by the time, 
you know, anybody comes from work or something or whatever, you just, it's gone. It's just totally gone. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I, it's been less, so, it's been less so here that it's, what's weird is, you know, New York city, even the, even the markets have limited space. Some of them haven't been able to manage like the workflow. So they've opened for senior citizens or pick up or delivery. Um, and they're using like email. So again, the customer service process of it is terrible. And, uh, and I think people had this like hoard, then it was like, okay, grocery stores are fine. And they chilled now, now at least in New York, there's like not always open. And there's, there's so many cases in New York that it's like, if I'm going to the grocery store, I'm completely covering my body and I'm going, and I don't want to go more than once a week. So there's back to, I better get enough, especially I've been meeting three meals a day with my family that I have it. Right. So it's just like flow. But I will say, I went to Wegmans in North Jersey on Saturday. I'm like, I gotta get out of the city. I went with my kids. They ran around outside. I went into Wegmans. Uh, it was a line outside, very well-run organization, six feet apart. The store was empty. Yeah. And the, every shelf was stocked, like it was normal. So that was a great experience. So I don't know, like I think, I think we'll, it's gonna keep ebbing and flowing, but I think generally they will have that under control. Um, I had a meeting this morning with a client when it was the first time, Adam, I'd actually heard about a problem or an interruption with supply chain in terms of raw goods. And I hadn't heard that yet. And today was the first time when somebody said, you know what, we had to back off production because we're missing one of the ingredients and they're going to be a little slow in delivering it. Um, and I don't know whether that's, <clears throat> excuse me, don't know whether that's inherent in what the good was, the particular ingredient, or was was it workforce was out? Uh, or maybe they're in California and they can't get into work. I mean, all, all those things. But um, do you see a supply chain management effect coming down the line here after the consumer effect? I haven't seen that, but I wouldn't be surprised by it. I think it's little idiosyncrasy, weird things. And some of them are probably super straightforward, like you just said. Or is that really the issue? But I, I can definitely see it getting a little bit squirrely. Um, but I'm a believer, like, you know, outside of... If you have enough breathing room, like finding new co-packer, new partners, local, U.S., I don't know, like you could be doing that, but that might be pretty close to that, that area of like a thing I can't control. So I'm going to focus more of my attention on things I can control today. Let me ask you, Adam, because I, I, I haven't, you know, run up against this yet. Um, you were referring to the tomato sauce people from Italy. So they're exporting and you're importing or the company's importing here yeah the, the brand has a local u.s brand presence which is part of the brand um and uh they you know bring it in through connecticut and then distribute in the u.s so it's a world leader internationally based in italy and then here um you know it's a smaller percentage of their business but they've seen increased demand um for it and and so but no no effect on importation because of COVID. No. So imagine that was the first client I reached out to. Um, and uh, they were like, no, surprisingly, the ports are open. Production is there. There's going to be big demand for pasta and sauce. So we want to meet it. And uh, and you're seeing it on consumer side. And going back to what we talked about before, instead of since you're not going out and you're not going to clubs or movies or shows or spending, you know, oh, yeah. uh, on lifestyle, People might spend an extra dollar for the gourmet premium all-natural tomato brand than they would for like the general cheapest cans. So right. they're seeing a positive impact there. Totally. Yeah, totally agree with that. I I think, you know, again, having different conversations 
across the board. Um, we had a client who launched two new items on Amazon in the last two weeks, both of which are doing very well. Both are premium priced, um, but, you know, not a, um, it certainly did not seem to be any, you know, there was talk of maybe let's not put it up on there at this time. And then it was like, well, no, we know people want the product. Um, you know, it's a different configuration, different size, but let's go ahead and list it. And, uh, you know, it's doing, doing just fine. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, there's also this other side of the coin that says I'm going to spend maybe a little bit more money or I'm going to spend a little bit more time looking for the stuff that I want. And if I'm going to make it here at home, uh, I'm darn well going to enjoy it, you know, so I want the good stuff. Right. Definitely. <laughs> and, and I think that that helps us, um, for sure. So, uh, how does, I mean, we get back to this in, in terms of, of, I guess, I guess lifestyle is, Restricted living, you've gotten to know your family again, which is great. Um, and, uh, you know, I know more about my two cats, uh, and my wife and I both, than we ever wanted to know uh, because they were used to their servants, you know, being out of the house. Right. <laughs> right. And they're like, aren't you guys leaving and going somewhere because we want to take a nap? Right. Um, the behavior in terms of buying, um, again, probably certainly favors e-commerce, but what do you think about what retailers can do to try to get some of that back? You know, some you know, once they they can have unlimited people in the store, what do they do? After or during? Um, well, I, I think during. Well, both. So d during, they're still a little restricted. I mean, we were talking about you know, Kroger is saying restricted capacity based on um, you know based on number of people per square foot in the store. Um, and which some people were surprising that, well, how do they determine that? So, well, they have the system that they, that it photographs people when they go in the store and it determines how many people are in the store and where they are in the store and they can regulate it. Um, right. so there's that aspect restricted, but then once the restriction goes off, I'm Albertsons and I'm thinking, well, I've lost a lot of, you know, a lot of dollars to e-commerce. How do I get that back? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's just a lot of confusion and frustration, right? So I feel like if there was more, especially with Facebook advertising being cheap, if there was more hyper-local Whole Foods advertising hitting me on Facebook and Instagram, talking about how easy it is for me to go to one of the, one, one of the ones in the city, how it's like ready for me at the locker, like, you know, if, okay. if they were pushing the agenda of how easy it was. I, there's actually a local uh, company in New York City called Juice Press, which is like a um, juice type brand, bunch of locations. They've been running great ads, just like really good color pop ads with a bag of groceries, looking with all fruits and vegetables and talking about like, you know, same day delivery to your door. And I've been getting hit with them heavy. Um, I like that move, right? Like in your market, making sure people know, I know there's been confusion, but if you want food, we got you, it's easy. I think you could easily grab that awareness and in the short term, you could get me to at least maybe order it in or show up and grab it. And then in the long term, you're harvesting a community. Maybe they land on a landing page, you get the email. Maybe there's like a little digital hack right now to get more user information during this time while you do that. Yeah, and they could, you know, certainly, you know, the, the, the connection, the communication stuff is all available there. It's It's really... Yeah, it's really putting it out there and then doing some promotions, right? Because that's, you know, that's what you do in the retail world. You get yeah, I mean, 
I shop at a matter of health, which is a uh, natural grocer on the Upper East Side. They have, two, they have a small one and then like a pretty big one. That's where we do most of our shopping. And that's where I went there for the first week. I went every day at like 8 a.m. right when they opened so I could get in and out. And now they're closed. And the only way to communicate with them is like literally like a Gmail email, like super, <laughs> super low quality digital. And I wish they were communicating with me more. I wish I could have a like I'm part of their community. Um, especially something hyper local like New York City, you don't go too far. Right. Um, huge missed opportunity on their part, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Our our local uh, the Boise Farmers Market um, is a source of a lot of the really you know good food and good brands we have in in the Treasure Valley area, and they could not open up um, under the restrictions. But they're doing in the big parking lot area that they have. They're doing a drive up. And basically, they're sending out two or three times a week, sending stuff out to people going, okay, so these are the people you can order from. So, you know, uh, and this is what they have in stock, right? So they have, uh, you know, baby carrots, something, something, and whatever. And then you basically, you get your number, transactions done online, and you drive up. Well, you know, we're, we're doing that this Saturday because, um, you know, we, we, we miss our farmer's market, you know. So there's there are ways to do that. There are clever ways to continue with your customers and that's one of the things I've talked to, to all my clients about is, is is to make sure that now is the time you are out there talking to those customers and, you know, making sure you can, uh, you know, complete the uh, complete the sale, as it were. Yeah, very smart on their part. And I think, it, look, it's like I said earlier, it's wartime, right? And in wartime, people will throw some conventional things out the door or out the window. So, like, you know, we have a frozen food brand that's for kids. Um, and traditionally, e-com has been terrible for them because of shipping costs. But they had some inventory, and right as this launched, I'm like, we should go heavy, heavy, these couple of markets, you know, hitting the parents and letting, like, they'll pay the shipping. And they right. sold out all their inventory. It yeah. was crazy, because they were like, you know, screw it, I need to get this in, I'm, I'm homeschooling my kids, I need to get some healthy alternatives in the house, and they really couldn't keep up, we had to, we had to shut it down. Like, so, just like, being proactive, um, using common sense, and I just think some of the traditional um, hurdles like shipping on frozen or typically matter of health probably say, look, most people walk in here. We don't really get a lot of email business. Again, that's why I think you need to prep and be strategic in peacetime so that you can deploy and be ready during wartime. And I think that'll be a change after all this for most smart brands. Yeah. And if you're a brand that is, is, is you know, well, um, you know, well set in, in e-commerce and also in retail, then you know you you can be agnostic about the shift as long as the sales continue. So you really want to reach out to your customer base and consumer base as much as you can to um, to to keep in touch with them to say hey no matter where you're buying your product um, you know we're here for you the brand is is still here and it's it's all of that uh, you know all of that good stuff right um, so. What other types of things in terms of, you know, working with clients and stuff, are you doing any extraordinary, um, you know, office hours or, you know, communicating with them, venting sessions, um, you know, after hours mixers, anything else you're doing? Um, mostly on the, on the employee side, um, lots of Zoom, lots of virtual happy hours every week, um, downloading heavily like we are. 
we're probably more busy than when we're in the office, um, which is which is great. Um, with clients, uh, you know, I am like the the one that hops around based on like where the need is. So really trying to get granular with like reading the tea leaves and like knowing who needs my love and then getting in front of them whenever I can. Um, and then really doing this kind of stuff. Like, look, I'm flattered when anybody wants to, to you know, interview or just chat with me like you. So I appreciate it. And like no problem. just any webinar any I was on a, a conference call with a bunch of industry professionals the other uh, last Tuesday it was a virtual happy hour scattered all around the country talking about what we're seeing. So I'm just trying to drink up as much knowledge as I possibly can even outside of my brain so that I can I can digest it and then bring it to my clients as proactively as, as possible. So I've been doing more podcasts on my podcast inner circle, um, more newsletter, more video, blog content. I'm just trying to get as much out there so they feel comfortable uh, and they feel well-informed and that I hope that they feel that they're getting that from me, which makes them more confident that we're the right agency partner for them. Absolutely. And Adam, by the way, because because you and I both have um, names that sound okay but are a little bit different in spelling, do you want to talk to people about how they can get to your website and contact you? Um, yeah, our website is circle.me, M-E, um, our social Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is all, uh, circle media. And, uh, I think I'm Adam J Brown 23 on LinkedIn, but if you find <laughs> Adam Brown, New York city circle media, you'll find me on LinkedIn. And that's where I put most of my content. G- good stuff. And it's, it's circle with an S folks. Okay. So that's the thing you get America because we're, we're only audio here. So it's like mine is right. ne- next level with two X's. So it's always those little things you have to people go, I couldn't find it. So, well, it's add that second X and you'll see the thing pop up really, really quick. That's and, right. It stands for social circle. And then social usually circle. once they say that, people get it. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. And Adam and I uh, were introduced to whatever on LinkedIn. So how about the LinkedIn platform for brands at this point? I mean, it's, it's a lot of professional to professional, but I've seen some people do a really good job. And that's my cat. Hello. <laughs> how are you, Cleo? Heard you talking about it before. Um, I know she's she's a little yeah. loud because she's deaf, but oh, that's a, that's okay. She doesn't know she's loud. That's the problem. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm huge on LinkedIn. I would say so many of these types of connections with you and other people have come from LinkedIn. The algorithm is so strong, and I see it more and more getting away from just being like a business cocktail hour. Right. I'm seeing content. Um, I share my Instagram content there now. Um, there's just a really good dialogue to, uh, be had there. So I think if you're a brand owner, founder in the CPG and beverage space, if you are a service provider in this space, um, and even if you're a marketing director where it's not as intimate, you're, you're just in that role. Um, LinkedIn is the spot. This is such an incestuous community. And if you're not there, you're doing yourself and your brand a disservice. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that's been kind of fun about it is, uh, I always told people that, it's a big industry, but the circle, if you will, is pretty small. You know, totally. there, there are people that I've worked uh, with and I've worked with them like at seven different companies they've been at. You know, we, totally. it, we've worked together over the years. And so um, you get into a network and there's some really great people, great content that's, that's on there as, as well. Um, speaking of which, Adam, real quick is on content, how are you balancing the opportunity that kind of presents itself from the crisis with empathy for the crisis? 
Um, on, on my side, I'm just keeping it real like I always do, right? So, you know, I've been doing these like this week I posts. So like this week I, and here's a bunch of positive things that happened. Yep. This week I got punched in the face 10 times and <laughs> I people can relate to both. Like, look, I put a post out right when this all started. Like you, you have a business, you shouldn't feel ashamed about keeping your business afloat. You have a lot of people that are responsible to you. Right. Um, and if you're a sole proprietor, maybe it's you and your wife or your husband or whoever. So you have to take care of you. Um, from a content and copy point of view, we had to go in and pretty much rewrite 80% of the copy for our, our brand. We wanted to make sure that we were not tone deaf to what was going on here. Um, and a lot of your typical things like April Fools and St. Patrick's Day that you would usually be very tongue in cheek with, we were very smart to get ahead of that and be sensitive to the world. I think brands have a more of a responsibility even than me as a personal brand to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There were, um, you know, there were a couple of the holidays and a couple of other, um, you know, um, celebration things, I think pizza day or whatever, and, you know, national cherry day and whatever else. And yeah, again, those had to be kind of handled uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit with kid gloves. So that that's, that's worked. It's worked out. Okay. I think the other thing is, is, is handling is out of stock. Which is, as you know, a couple of your clients, certainly a couple of mine, have had to, to basically got run out of stock and you know ramp up production. But even so, and trying to handle that with a sort of a well, you know, we're going to be right back. But uh, to not to say, hey, you know, we've been we've been doing really well during during a crisis. And um, I think during this time, if somebody just took a camera with their, they could take their phone, no high end production, recorded the founder or the president or some, you know real honest message, put it on LinkedIn, and then just put that as a blog post on their website. I think people would have empathy and appreciate that open communication and be very patient right now. And I don't think a lot of brands are doing that. And I, and I think, yeah, and I think that's that's good. And that's, uh, you know, something that they should look into. That's great, great advice, Adam. Appreciate it. Well, listen, I want to thank you again for taking the, the time um, to be with us today. And uh, we sort of have a tradition at Next Level Podcast, which is toward the end of the show, we try to get our guests to narrow down um, a word of advice, a phrase of advice, or some philosophical approach that they take. Um, fellow entrepreneurs and, and a lot of people who are like your clients and my clients out there that it's a little trepidatious at the moment, would you have a word or a phrase you'd share with us to focus on? Yeah, I would say it's, it's always action. If you're an entrepreneur, you can't be in inaction or you can't be like, you know, the worst decision is indecision. Like these are the phrases I live by. But especially right now, I think an entrepreneur has to scorecard their day by how much action they took that either put them in a more gave them more of a chance for success. So what offensive measures and yep. then what defensive measures and how well were they at being how good were they at being efficient with that? Like doing it, limiting it, dusting off their shoulder and not sweating the interception and then getting back on the field and then throwing more touchdowns. And at the end of every day before they log off and go see their family or whatever, um, they should be scorecarding themselves on how much positive action they took for their business. Yes, this is not a time for inaction, for sure. For sure. Okay. Once again, Adam, I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. And thanks to all of you for joining us here on the Next Level Brands podcast. Podcast was brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands, providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs in any stage of growth. <laughs> If you'd like to know more about selling at retail, e-commerce, or distributors, 
you can check out the free webinar archive at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. What you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.